Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael. I'm joined by my co-host, George Pacheco. Uh, what's up, George? How you doing? Good. Good. Um, good. Right. So, quick disclaimer, guys. Uh, I, I, so, if you've watched the show before, you know how the way the show works is that I write down notes throughout the week, um, and uh, I, I kind of go through them on the show, uh, and that dictates our talking points. Uh, I can't find my notes, so I I don't know what I did. I'm not great with technology, so we're just going to have to go without them. I'm sure I remember most of it, though, so it shouldn't be, like, a huge problem, but I just want to let you guys know if, in case I seem like I don't have my talking points ready. Uh, but, yeah, George, uh, let, let's start uh, with uh, – well, you know what? Let's talk about this first. Uh, I was going to talk about this later, but uh, just a thought I had that we can maybe talk about is um, I have kind of a vision of what we could be doing a little differently with this show uh, in the sense that um, I'm thinking maybe we need segments. And I want to know your feedback on that. Uh, I just, I, I think we definitely, we already have them basically. Like the show is, would you agree with that? That the show is basically segmented yeah, uh, organically? The, uh, there's the movie part. Yeah. Part, yeah. Um, but I'm thinking of doing of adding segments, making segments more uh, like feel like TV segments. I don't know what that means exa- exactly. Um, like I don't know how that manifests. But an example uh, of this is last week. Um, we did a little not not a segment. But we talked about an article. About a guy that uh, grew his arm in his penis. Yes, um, I do remember that. And I have this idea of... It's no secret that we don't really have a big following. But um, ideally, once we had more people listening to the show, I like the idea of people sending in the weirdest article they can find. I have, Very good. Yeah, I have a weird article this week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find one every week. That's the problem. Uh, but... I like the idea of that being a segment on our show. So I wanted to talk about that. I love that. I, I could also just look around for one as well. Yeah. We should we should totally both do it. Um, I like now, the now I have homework. I like the idea though that whichever one of us find I don't know how we would do this logistically, but whichever one of us finds the article does not show the other one before the show. Because part of what made it funny was that you did not know that I was going to read that article. Yeah, I did not expect that article to come. So if you have the article for the week, I think you should tell me, and then don't tell me what it is. Like I don't like just just hit you. Hit yeah. It with you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Once we're here. Uh huh. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. That sounds like a good time. Uh huh. And if you actually do listen to this podcast and you're like, hey, I know some weird articles, uh, not uh, not including. Uh, we we I think the, it's fair to say we wouldn't take anything from Clickhole or uh, The Onion because that's purposely parody yeah. uh, journalism. I don't think we should take any of that. But uh, if you do want to send us an article, uh, there's two places you could go. Uh, at Kid Michael Art on Instagram, which is my art account, but also where I do uh, where I discuss the show and I uh, update it uh, every time there's an episode that comes out. Or you can go to my Twitter, um, at It's Kid Michael, uh, and just uh, either at me or DM me uh, an article that you think I should talk about on the show, and I'll do it. Uh, yeah, 
I will be promoting that more as we keep going, just so to remind people every episode that you can do that. Uh, but let's start with the segment we always start with, uh, and that's what did we watch this week? So, George, you first. Did you watch anything? Right. I actually had something. I watched something very good. Oh, let's talk about Kevin. Never heard of it. Or I think it's we should talk about Kevin. We about um, a very depressed mother of a school shooter. Ooh, is it a documentary? And it takes you from. No, 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 no. It, it's it's a drama, but okay. it's, it's very like um. We need to talk about realistic. Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin, and everybody in the family ignores like Kevin, uh-huh. the, main, the not the main character, the antagonist's like uh, issues, except for the mom who didn't want to have him to begin with. Is Ezra Miller in this? Yes, he, he is in it, and uh, he's usually incredibly likable in everything he does, and in this, he's just a total psychopath. Wow. And, uh, so does the I, I assume the movie culminates in the shooting. Uh, yes. But it's yes. not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler because you can kind of piece I pieced it together pretty quickly. Okay. Um, it's not like supposed to be a secret in, in any way, but you do kind of like slowly figure it out and then you realize why the mom lives in shame and why people walk up to her and spit on her and all this like crazy shit. Uh-huh. And, uh, it is one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Depressing? God awfully depressing. Sounds fucking depressing. She didn't want to have a kid to begin with. That's kind of what the movie starts with. She was uh, enjoying her life traveling, uh-huh. meeting people, going, living in different cities. She lived in New York when they had the kid, and the dad forced everybody to move out because the kids uh, wanted a, the kid wanted a backyard. The mm-hmm. kid that would go on to shoot school. The dad kept buying him crossbows and all such things. Practice. Is the dad um, what's his name? Uh, the comedian. Uh, Yes, uh, he is. I forget his, his name. name. I kept saying, I kept like name dropping his name while watching the movie with my girlfriend. That's always how it works: is that you know the name like so well that you forget it immediately when we have to. Yeah, talk. Uh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, yeah. Which uh, he's really good in this. Actually, he's really good in this. But um, I, I, I still didn't like his, um, his place in the movie because he just kept right like reminding me of like the movie like Ride Hard, mm-hmm. and I couldn't look at him any other way except the comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me out of the movie a lot, but he, he was great in it. Uh, he was very Eraserhead. Head, Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. If you ever heard of that movie? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, which is another movie about the anxieties of having children. Uh huh. And um, he he reminded me of that. He even had the same like Eraserhead haircut and stuff. And this movie is more about the anxieties of having children than really about the school um, shooting. The school shooting itself. Now here's a question. Um, uh, I mean, neither of us are psychologists or people who have any kind of uh, actual, like, statistics or anything that we could um, point – like, we, we don't have any actual authority when we talk about this. But how do, do you feel the sh- movie is fair in its depiction of the parent's role in what he does? Yes. Um, the mother blames herself a lot because I don't think she was ever, ever able to bring herself to love the kid mm-hmm. and I think around the end of the movie the, there's not a big twist but you kind of realize he said like the mom asks him like why did you do it at the end of the movie he's mm-hmm. in prison and he says I used to think I knew now I'm not so sure and you realize that this kid isn't a psychopath he's just really like you know he has really fucked up psychology because the, the mom constantly told him like I wish I was in Paris instead I have you 
Mm-hmm. And growing up, hearing that must be. But do you think that's fair to the actual parents of school shooters? Is kind of what I'm asking. Like, do you the movie isn't a portrayal about school shooting. Okay. I, I think it, it's definitely not about the school shooting. It's about raising a kid you don't want to raise. Mm-hmm. It's about having children when you're not ready, which is an anxiety that like I think everybody has. I I don't want to. If a kid happens to me right now, I think it'll be. Oh yeah, I'd be horrified. Yeah. Uh, not and I'm not even talking about myself. I'd be horrified for you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just the, the idea of you having a kid keeps me up at night. Have you ever had a um, a kid? No. <laughs> have you? I mean, I meant to say, have you ever seen Eraserhead? No. Uh, Eraserhead's like another really. It's a grotesque movie. I really don't recommend it if you're not like in a good headspace. Uh huh. Because it's it's disgustingly like grotesque. Like violent, gory, gory. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. No. Not no, on my the list. The baby's then. a monster. Okay, not watching. It's like this weird, like inside-out thing, monster. Um, and in this movie, the the kid isn't a monster in the same way. It's just a monster in a in a different sense. Uh huh. It's not like a Hollywood monster. It's like a, you know, what's the worst thing you could like raise in a child? What's the worst thing you could create? Because everybody assumes their kid's gonna be just like them, and he's gonna be like a super nice kid, and he's gonna be super sociable, and all that stuff. But, you, like, if you raised a sociopath and it was kind of your fault, how would you how would you live with yourself if that kid ever came to hurt somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Because women go up to the, the mom who survived all, like, the shootings to uh, just slap her and tell her you're going to hell. <laughs> like, it's, it's brutal. It's a brutal movie. And I, I, I recommend it, though. It's, it's great. Um, it's a great film. Yeah. That does make me curious, though, uh, statistically. Like, um, how often do uh, school shooters, like, how often are you able to point fingers at, at a parent for that? Uh, because I honestly have no idea. I, I wouldn't, I would never personally do that. Uh-huh. Uh, but when we were watching the movie, my girlfriend kept saying, like, how can people do that? How can people walk I can't imagine me, uh, your girlfriend watching this movie. It's brutal. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's like, I kind of... I didn't force her to, but it was my idea to watch it. But um, she was like, how can people blame her for the shooting uh-huh. in any way? And it was like, these aren't rational people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't rationally lose your kid and then go like, oh, well. Yeah. There's a scene where, like, a kid who got shot by the school shooter kid mm-hmm. um, walks up to the mom and just kind of, like, talks to her. Like, how are you doing? Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. And the mom, you could tell, is just fucking having a panic attack from watching the consequences of, of what she created. Mm-hmm. It's a great watch. That's wow. That's a heavy one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I watch. <laughs> don't worry about it. Now, um, what did I watch this week? I watched two movies. Uh, one much more serious than the other. The first one I watched. Uh, it feels so weird transitioning to this now that you've talked about the school shooting. I really hate you Muppets right now. Take Manhattan or something. No, it's uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's a great movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, I liked. I, I, I enjoyed it and I appreciated it. Uh, but I had beef. Okay, what's up? What, what happened? Uh, for one thing, what an unlikable main character. Isn't that the premise of that? If it is, it doesn't communicate that well enough. I think in the comics it's communicated much better that the main character is supposed to be an unlikable douchebag. Yeah, he. it's like... Um, Nothing ab- about uh, the relationship he has in that movie, or it's very healthy. is is healthy. 
nothing that he does seems like the right thing. And not only that, even if the point is that he learns more about himself throughout the movie, because it is kind of the point that he learns that he was like an, a, a jerk. Yeah. Uh, the resolution is so stupid, because um, if you guys haven't seen it, this movie. Uh, well, first of all, we're gonna spoil it, so sorry about that. Second of all, uh, but you should know that at this point. Um, second of all, uh, the movie is like a uh, hybrid. Like, like a video game type movie where like people level up and there's like it's supposed to be like super surreal looking where it's like at the aesthetic of a video game but it's a live action movie I forgot where I was going with this um right so Scott the main character uh it has a girlfriend who is 17 what the fuck yeah what the fuck like that was I don't like even if you're trying to make him unlikable that is like a not, not I can't say criminal because it's not criminal but not a good decision. Um, because I think 17 is the age of consent, so it's not, like, illegal to have a 17-year-old girlfriend. But it's weird. Uh, I think it's a little more than weird. But it speaks volumes about the character of him. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's too far a point of a no return. You know what I mean? He, he, I'm not going to defend, like, um, statutory rape. But he, he never did anything. Yeah. But my, my point is, is, like, uh, it's hard... To then, like, even be invest... I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. But the 17-year-old thing was weird. And then he cheats on this girl uh, with the with the, the girl who is the point of the movie. And at the end of the movie... So the reason the video game thing was important, I'm remembering now, is because at one point he gets, a, like, a, a one-up. Which, in, you know, like in Mario, you get a one-up. You get to come back. Second life. Yeah. Uh, so he... The whole movie is him defeating this girl's seven evil exes. Because they have, like, a league of exes. Where they don't want anyone to date this girl except them. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, he defeats the. Uh, he's a. Uh, he's fighting the last ex, and it comes out that he cheated on these two girls. Um, and they're obviously upset. Uh, and then he dies, gets the one up. Does the exact same thing, and the only difference is that he immediately apologizes when he tells them. And somehow, the the outcome is drastically better, and that I didn't get. It's he's, it's uh the whole movie I think acts as a metaphor about mistreatment, cycle of abuse, and stuff like that. Uh huh. That you like uh you can't just like do whatever you want relationship wise because you you're gonna hurt people, and that's like gonna um come back to you you're you're a bad person if you're leaving people with like traumatic like experiences like do you leave them with like insecurities and that's kind of like i don't think he's literally fighting them this is a movie this is like a comic book he's literally fighting them but it's supposed to be about kind of like when you get into a serious relationship you have to deal with the baggage of the previous relationships together Mm -hmm. so those seven guys left seven different types well six um, guys and a girl six guys and a girl left uh six plus one different types of uh <laughs> you could have just said seven that time <laughs> i threw no, you like, off not trauma i think trauma is too harsh of a word but like he has to prove he's not the last six guys and the girl and he, part of it was that that uh we're, we're made to think they're not even this i kind of appreciated is that they are a combination of toxic themselves Yes, they're both. Really and toxic. they're uh, no, I mean the 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 exes are a combination of being toxic themselves and uh, being mistreated, 
Because the point of her coming to Canada, where the movie takes place, is that she's trying to get away from her own toxicity. That yeah. she did wrong these people. Um, she, like, toyed with their emotions, basically. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just think... Um, I think that... Like the way you're talking about it, like about like metaphors and whatnot, is is a, is a way you can look at the movie. But I think the problem is that the majority of its fan base doesn't perceive it on that level. Oh, I actually, I disagree. I think most people see it that way. You're supposed to find Scott Pilgrim unlikable. You're supposed to find Ramona Flowers um, equally unlikable. I don't know. I feel like Ramona. Fla- the result of this movie was just that a generation of guys wanted to date Ramona Flowers. Oh, the whole manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Type of thing. Uh, this movie's really like that in Five Hundred Days of Summer. If you've ever heard of that movie, heard of it, but I don't know it. You you should watch it if you're like on a binge of like Manic Pixie Dream Girl. They're, they're, well, I'm not, but I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll keep it in the back <laughs> of my head. Advertise this like picture of um, of like the perfect girlfriend, and then they kind of break that illusion mm-hmm. with like. In the words of Ben Shapiro, like cold, hard logic, you know. Like they, uh, <laughs> in the words of the great Ben Shapiro, <laughs> I can't, I can't even finish that. <laughs> they, they, um, it kind of shows you the reality that these type of manic pixie dream girls aren't real people. Uh-huh. They are like idealized, and that uh, it's toxic to treat them. Like yeah, that. and the mess, and therefore the message is: if you see these pixie girls in real life, don't trust them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Scott Pilgrim was the first movie I watched this week. Uh-huh. And uh, my mom actually liked it way more than I did, which I thought was funny. I think it was a product of his time as well. Those yeah. like hipsters don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Or like everybody finds them so obnoxious that we don't yeah. put them on media anymore. It's, uh, it didn't go this far in terms of things that don't age well um, pop culture-wise, but it felt like a less extreme version of if someone a few years ago made a movie where they referenced like Trollface. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... It's... Yeah. It is very outdated. Uh-huh. Uh, the, all those cultural references that... It's not as it cool as it was. Yeah. Like, um, they have, like... Beck made the soundtrack, and he made a, a banger soundtrack. But that music is no longer king, you know? Uh-huh. And another thing, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, I just mean this in a realistic way, is that a lot of people, when I hear talk about this movie, uh, say things like, I don't understand how this movie is cult and not, like, a big thing. It's absolutely obvious that it would be cult. It's yeah, it's, it's just that I kind of it's movie. it's cult bait, dude. Like, it's, if there's Oscar bait, it's totally cult bait. I like that, cult bait. I wonder if people yeah. do make movies as cult bait. It's probably hard to get, um, to get approved for a cult bait movie, but... Yeah, it, um, you, you ever, like, you're ever in a fandom that wants to get a movie produced about whatever the fandom's about, uh-huh. and then the second that the movie gets produced, they all go and watch it, but the movie flops. Yeah. Regardless. And then, like, uh, <laughs> the studio just fucking gets rid of it, just tanks it. Uh-huh. This, no sound, this sounds like the campaign to get Alita a sequel, just saying. This sounds like the campaign to get uh, Community. Ah. Oh. It sounds like... No! Every campaign to get a movie from a TV show that's not in the zeitgeist of the culture. Uh-huh. And I I don't want a community movie. You don't? Like half the act- I do. Oh, okay. But half the actors left halfway through the show's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last season was aired on, like, Yahoo. Right? Uh-huh. It was Yahoo. No fucking Hollywood executive is going to take a risk on a movie 
on just that merit alone. Yeah. And it's not even that ultra popular. Like, you just have, like, uh, blinders. Uh-huh. Kind, you like it a lot. This kind of reminds me of when people want, um, like, for example, I'll, I'll use Hellboy as an example. People want them to go back and make a Hellboy 3. There's an argument to be made that, like, too many people uh, forgot the context of the first two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when people ask, like, oh, this trilogy was never finished or this movie needs a sequel, sometimes people forget the context. That's why so many movies come out as a reboot and they have the same title as the first movie. As much as I hate that um, trend, no one was going to watch, like, Halloween 30 or whatever the fuck the new yeah, Halloween was going to be called. They were just going to watch Halloween. Yeah. They weren't even going to watch Halloween 2 They would because it was it was essentially the second one ignoring everything else. Um, yeah. So if you, if, yeah, if you get really into pop culture, uh, you start realizing that general audiences are usually pretty goddamn ignorant. But I will say, there is a beautiful land where these kind of movies you want can exist, and it's called streaming. Yes, streaming. For streaming. streaming can make these things happen. Um, let's get to the second movie I watched. We, we've right. talked about this for a while. Uh, it was a movie we tried to watch together, and we couldn't get Netflix to work. I watched uh, Spike Lee's *The Five Bloods*. Uh, I feel weird saying it like that every time because I know it's spelled D A to five bloods, but it doesn't sound organic coming out of my mouth. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> I appreciate you knowing your limits. Yeah. Um, uh, I wonder if Spike Lee gets a kick out of that every time someone's like, "We're going to talk about the five bloods," like all these white reviewers <laughs> and stuff. I wonder if he gets a kick out of that. I, I certainly would. Um, what a movie! Like. A long movie, but good God, what a movie. Um, I need to look up the cast again so I can um, talk about it because I had some notes written down. Uh, so, first of all, do you know what this movie's about? No. No, I'm blind completely. So, these four African-American older men uh, are Vietnam vets, right? Uh-huh. And it's modern day. They're going back to Vietnam under the guise well it's kind of it's half true but the the idea is that they got approved by the Vietnamese and American government to go to Vietnam to find the body of their fifth uh soldier they were called the five the five bloods in the army uh and the fifth one who was played by Chadwick Bosman uh Bozeman I don't know how you pronounce it died um in the war and there there's the idea is that they're going back to get the body to be buried in American soil. But the truth is, um, during the Vietnamese War, when we... I don't know how true this is, but this, I just took the movie's uh, word for it. During the Vietnamese War, when we were trying to get villages to aid us in the war, we would pay them in gold. Like gold bars, because they didn't want cash, obviously. Okay. Um, so, uh, there were these planes that would bring the gold to the villages they find gold that in a crash plane during the, the war and they're like you know what america's treated us like shit as black men uh this gold is our reparations let's bury it and, and bring it and take it after the war so they're not they're they do actually want to get their friend's body but they really want the gold christ okay yeah i'm so on board right now yeah by the way um and uh I appreciated if if you if you went to any screenwriter or any like filmmaker and you told them that much about the movie you wanted made uh the movie would end in everyone killing each other 
Uh, and there is this element of, like, them kind of breaking apart from each other over the fact that they all want this gold. But it's not that, like, writes itself. You know what I mean? Like, they don't... How does he do... Okay, so, from just hearing the premise, you know, you kind of, like, are assuming as an audience member, somebody who's watched movies before in their lifetime, what's going to happen? What is What happens differently? Well, what I mean is that, like, there are arguments about the characters, like, tearing each other apart over this gold, but it, yeah. it doesn't actually manifest in the sense that the characters don't kill each other. Um, so what happens is, uh, I almost don't want to tell you, but, um, what happens is they, uh, find the gold. What happens is people keep, um, finding out that they have this gold, right? So at one point, um, one of them steps on a mine and blows up because there are still mines in Vietnam. So he, he's, he's dead. Um, but then, uh, another one. Uh, the one of the guy's sons, because one of the guy has a son who who found out this guy was looking for the gold and came because he wanted a cut. Uh, steps on a mine. And so these two, these three volunteers who help disable mines save him. So now the three volunteers know about the gold. So now, the main character I would call the main character is played by Delroy Lindo. Um, he is significant because he is. He has PTSD and he's super shell shocked. Um, like he is, he has nightmares, the whole shebang. And um, his immediate response was like, "Thanks for saving my son. Now I'm tying you up because like you gotta go. You know about the gold." Um, but eventually, uh, they come to the agreement that those people will have to share the gold. And then there's more and more people that have to end up sharing the gold because more and more people find out about the gold. Um, and it ends with all of them being killed off except one and the son of the of the main character. Yeah. And they do get the gold, and they split it. They take their shares, but they give everyone else's shares to where they would have wanted it to go, like to their family, for example, or one of them wanted it to go to Black Lives Matter. So it works out. I mean, three of the four die, but it works out. Um, I don't know if I explained that very well. You did, you did. I'm I'm just very like attentive, but you you, you <laughs> but I I just I appreciated that this movie didn't end with it kept its in, the whole point of the movie uh, or the thesis of the movie uh, that I kind of got out of it was um, kind of how fucked up it is that we asked African American people like these guys to go f- die for us in Vietnam when we didn't do shit for them, and it doesn't take yeah. away from that by. Making them into the bad guys. And we've been doing that as early as our own Revolutionary War. Yeah, they mentioned that. Insane. They yeah. they make a point of how the first guy that was shot, and I think, um, what's that in the Revolution, like that first time those British soldiers shot people? Do you remember what that is? The Boston Massacre? Maybe. They, I think it's the Boston Massacre. They make a point that it was that it was a black guy. I don't know that. Yeah. I really, I'm, I'm a fan of, like, Revolutionary History. Uh-huh. And all it's like hurdles, and I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. At all. Um. They they make a point of that, but so I want to talk about Delroy Lindo's character, this guy who is really fucked up by the war. Uh. I think first of all, I think Netflix. This is the year Netflix gets Oscars because of the of the pandemic. The, the, the choices are just more awesome. limited. 
Yeah. I think he needs to get best actor. You think his performance is that good? Dude, it's so good. He does this one monologue where he's in the jungle by himself because he's ditched everyone else because he's so crazy. And he's giving a speech. It's like breaking the fourth wall. You're supp- it's supposed to make you feel how crazy he is that it- he's talking to the camera. And it's like the best monologue I've heard in so long about how um, nothing can kill him. Um, and also there's this great twist, uh, of, of where the, the guy who is, the, first of all, they're all throughout the movie. The other guys are like, look, we get that you're like have PTSD, but the truth is we like, you keep blaming yourself for this guy dying, um, and all that. And like, we all feel as bad as you do. I don't know why you should feel any worse than we do. And it finally gets revealed at the end when he's having a, a crazed, um, vision about it that in that last battle where they're defending the gold he was firing off and a Vietnamese person a Viet Cong soldier stuck, snuck up behind him and he spun around and shot and he killed the fifth guy Christ yeah that's why he's so fucked up the whole movie cause he oh my god that's that's really in- I I almost learned I didn't wish that. I, I, I mean, wish I, I didn't wish learn. I didn't learn that. Yeah, yeah I feel so bad I telling you that, honestly. But you got to watch this movie, dude. I do. I really do. I'm, like, so 100% on it now. Um, I don't have anything really else to watch, so that's, that's probably what I'm going to end up watching soon. Yeah, I think... I don't agree with a lot of people that the, the monologue from Jaws is as good as people say it is. But I think it's up there if you believe that it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of the, the great monologues. Let's talk about that. What do you think are the great monologues that you've seen? That's a really good question. Um, what's something not pretentious, but what's something artsy I've watched lately? I well, oh, I recently watched As You Like It. Uh huh. And there was um, this is like cheating, by the way. This is really like cheating, because this is legit. Um, is this uh, a Shakespeare? This is Shakespeare. I was yeah. about to say like we should probably give the honorable mention to Shakespeare. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, as you like it, I was, I thought it was just kind of one of his like whatever plays where it's just like all farcical and like uh, gender bending and stuff, which is like really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the chick from Jurassic World is in there. Uh, yeah. she's a she's a director too now, right? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, she directed, she directed uh, an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, she did. I do remember that. Um, I will look up her name. There's right the now. all the all the. Is it? Bryce Dallas All Howard. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a speech that's really famous where, like, they're just the sad characters is kind of being sad. Mm-hmm. I forget what he did, though. Like, what what the speech was. All the world's a stage, I think. Uh. You're aware of that one? Sort of. Like, uh, he's I've saying, heard like, the line before. Yeah. It, it's a famous line in the, uh, in the, the whole, like, English lexicon, mm-hmm. you know? I think to be fair to every other movie that exists, we have to ex- uh, put Shakespeare aside. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely do. I, I actually do think that the um, the Jaws monologue mm-hmm. is as good as people say it is. I only didn't like it because I had no idea what he was saying the whole time. It was, like, so inaudible. Fair. I listen to all movies with... Um, with... Uh, what is it called? The voice lines? Uh, subtitles? <laughs> Subtitles, yeah. Uh, um, maybe I, I should have done that. Subtitles. I'm deaf. I'm, like, so fucking deaf. I don't know what's wrong with my ears. I already have old man ears. Me too, actually. 
It's probably uh, why I don't like that monologue. Um, so I had to listen to it really um, subtitled. What about we? We should get this one out of the way too, because uh, I think even if you haven't thought of this yet, this is probably going to be both our answers. Uh, the Rape of the Natural World from Jurassic Park. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, the movie gets kind of serious for like a minute, and you're mm-hmm. just like, "Oh shit, he's really like, this is like some biophilosophy." You know what? We always end up on Jurassic Park. Just because it came up on my yeah, I know that in Star Wars. Just because it came up on my um, YouTube algorithm. Uh, the speech that um, Ian Malcolm gives in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I watched it. It's not that bad. Like, the movie's bad. The movie's bad. But it's a I good speech. The movie peaked in the beginning and the end. Yeah. With, like, Malcolm. Right. I, I've never been so immensely disappointed by a movie as Jurassic World. because, uh-huh. And I'm probably going to be disappointed by the next one, if I'm being honest. Because they, uh, they're saying they're going to bring back the old cast. And I feel like they're just going to waste the talent. Mm-hmm. That is. I just thought of another monologue, but keep going. What's Sattler's name? Like, actress? Her real name? <laughs> oh, she's, like, she's made such a comeback. Yeah, she really has. She, she was, like, gone. She's becoming Meryl Streep, honestly. Yeah, she really is. Is it Laura Dern? Laura Dern, yeah. yeah. Um, she's, like, a powerhouse actress. Uh-huh. Uh, and the... The male dude? Uh, Al, uh, Sam Neill. Sam Neill is also, actually, a very really good actor in his own regard. Though I don't think as good as... Um, Laura Dern, though he does make a great villain. In Jurassic Park? No, like in, in oh. every other movie. I just love Sam Neill because I follow him on Twitter, and he's he has this one pig on his farm that he just loves, and he's always like posting pictures and videos of him and his pig. It's really great. Um, but I just thought of another monologue, uh, and that's the one from Psycho. Uh. Oh, we all go a little crazy. Yeah, sometimes. that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Yeah, you're coming up with good ones. Yeah, that's a great one. Ah, uh, man, let me come up with one. I um, I love watched recently. It's like World War Two movies. So don't you love it though when like a monologue happens and you get like the chills? Oh, Twelve Years a Slave. Didn't see it. There's there's a monologue in it. it the whole movie's written in this Victorian Shakespearean language mm-hmm. like the slaves and the slave masters everybody even the the uneducated slaves the ones who have been slaves for generations uh-huh. and not um the main character who is actually a really educated man uh-huh. who got like forced into slave slavery uh-huh. um everybody in it is great and there's a speech in it where um a slave master like repeatedly rapes the same slave uh-huh and he he's really possessive of her, and she's actually the their, I guess best slave because she picks the most cotton. Mm-hmm. And in it, like she's just arguing like, uh, you. I'm just imagining taking that this. sound bite. I'm sorry of you saying <laughs> she's their best cool. slave because she picks the most cotton. I don't know how else to say it. I know, it. I know, but continue. But like she she's really good at what she does, which is her. <laughs> and um. She says uh, she has a monologue about how she's not even allowed to be clean. She's not even allowed soap, mm-hmm. and that like she does all this work, and for the bare minimum, she will at least be clean. And like it's, it won her her Oscar. Mm-hmm. It got her her Oscar. That that like that scene alone got her her Oscar. If that was the only scene of the movie with her in it, she would have won the Oscar regardless. Mm-hmm. I'm about to it, to cheat and look up best monologues in movies just to help me remember stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm drawing a huge blank. But That's a great one. Would you that would you count would you count um, Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction, even though it's a Bible quote? It's you know it's actually not a Bible quote. 
No, it is. It really isn't. It, it's not in the Bible. Are you sure? Because I'm I sure. thought I, I thought I had heard a fun fact where like the Bible verse he quotes is on Nick Fury's tomb in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It it's in it's in his tomb because like he's a famous Hollywood like he's famous for that. That's his like big call to fame. That's when he really made it. But it's really not like in. Um... I don't even want to read this list because I don't know any of these movies, and it's gonna make me embarrassed. It's it's gonna be really like big powerhouse like yeah. actor films. Um, he he yeah it's he's not in um, uh, it's not a real Bible verse. I thought the same thing. I thought it was in the Bible. Uh, Quentin Tarantino said he made it up just because it sounded really badass. I found an article that I genuinely oh. Someone put another one from Pulp Fiction on this list, but it's the up, up his ass monologue. I'll count that one. You know what I'm talking about? Where the guy's like, I stuck the watch. Christopher Walken talks about sticking oh, a watch yeah, up his ass. Yeah. That that's funny enough that you know what? I'll put. I'll I'll, I'll say it's there up there he for gets me. Close to the camera, looks into the camera, and just delivers that nonsense. I don't. Know, I can't imagine how many takes it took him. <laughs> I don't think I would have ever been able to finish it. Like, just the moment he looks at... There is some good comedy ones, actually, yeah. First time I saw that movie, he looked at the camera and says, like... And he shoved it up his ass. I was crying, dude. I was fucking crying. It it was so fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Here's another good one. Um, You ever watch The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Donnie's Eulogy. That's a good comedic one. Yeah. You know when they start throwing the ashes and... Oh, my God. (laughs) Former co-host Adam Ali, that was his favorite scene. That's my favorite. That's uh, my favorite where he's like, too. where he, he says goodbye, sweet prince, and he throws the, the ashes I, and it goes yeah. all over the guy's face. And he's like, what the fuck was Everybody that numb shit, that, man? Uh, like, um, goodnight, sweet prince. Yeah. I still say that. Like, uh, <laughs> Is that like what happened. just started that? I'm not sure. I really am not sure. I think it's been said for a while. I think it's actually from like Shakespeare. Uh-huh. It's from Shakespeare, but like the the fact that they said it about him makes it all the much funnier uh-huh. to me. I I love Big Lebowski. I I try to watch it once a year. It's a good one. Another cult it's a great movie. One. Another cult classic. Yeah, for sure. Look at another list because I'm not feeling that one. Oh, The Matrix. There's the fucking rabbit hole. There is the. The humans are a disease. That one that too. Monologue? Yeah, yeah uh, humanity is a virus, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I used to think he was the bad guy, and then like you see what we're doing to the world, uh-huh. and you're like, maybe they had a point. Maybe we are bad for the planet. Yeah. You ever think that? You ever like watch a nature documentary and like? All all the time. Yeah. And then yeah, I watch them all the time too. And then like, no, I meant all the time. I agree with that. <laughs> oh yeah, we we are. Uh, like, you're, you're watching a nature documentary, and you're just chilling, enjoying the animals, and then, like, fucking David Antiborough has to break the news to you that, like, oh, we're also fucking this up. It's like, is there no environment we're not fucking up? Is there, are we ever going to be told, like, nope, this environment's chill. Don't worry about it. We're good. Like, there's no problem. These animals are doing just fine. It's always, like, oh, these animals are dying by the uh-huh. aliens because, because of the fur industry or whatever. It's, it'll be just any random thing that you're like, I could live without that. Yeah, I get I get what you mean. Uh, there's so many movies too that try to. I'll use Black Panther as an example, just because it comes to mind. That try to. Um, I don't know what the word for it is. I don't know if it's play devil's advocate, but the whole point of the movie is giving the villain 
a um, speech. No, a, a concept that you could get behind. And then the whole like the the way the movie would be able to pull it off is if by the end they still make you think he's wrong. And I think movies like that are having more and more trouble these days actually making you yeah, think the villain is making, wrong. They're making the the characters too charismatic. Also, they never proved Thanos wrong. They just killed him. You know? Yeah. They, they never went up against his like ideology and went like, "You're wrong. We could like through the power of teamwork, we could all live on this planet." They just killed him. They just fucking cut his head off, dude. They killed him twice. They killed him twice on two different like like uh Actually, you know, now that you mention it, they never once address the overpopulation thing that he was yeah they never would they just have to be like we we have a big bad we have to maybe maybe the thesis of the, the friendship no the thesis of the film their res- retort to thanos is there's too many people and that this is like how you could fix it is that it's just that it's not worth it yeah they could just like we'll, we'll figure which out sounds simplistic but it's true that like i guess it's, it's just not worth it Maybe genocide isn't the answer. Yeah. Should have, been, should have been, like, what the story was about. But no, they're just... That's why I feel like these movies are so lazily written. That's why I, I just kind of, like... They're definitely, like, turn-your-brain-off media. Uh-huh. Like, sometimes I feel like they get away with a lot. Um, real quick, we, we, to get back to the, the concept of monologues, um, a whole subset that are almost kind... I almost find kind of cheap, but still as um, thrilling, is the... Um, the uh, what's the word for it? The like the, the huddle speech. You know what I mean? Like when someone's about to go into battle. Oh, battle speeches are really dope. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a really big like war film dude, and there's some really good films out there uh-huh. that are like um, have some bitchin' speeches. Uh, just Aragorn and Return of the King. I'm just going to read a a piece of this because it's so good. A day may come when the courage of men fails and we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not this day. I love that. Also, fun fun fact. um, uh, A lot of people know, obviously, because of the fictional languages he created that um, J.R.R. Tolkien had a fascination with languages. Uh, but not many people know he invented the word fellowship. Really? Yeah. Didn't exist before Fellowship of the Ring. I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. That's a really cool fun fact. Yeah. He invented a word. You know what's another really cool Shakespeareism? What? He invented, like, almost every modern phrase we use. Yeah. Like, I, I, from the top of my head, I can't come up with anything. But um, let me Google some of these, because it really is fascinating how much he shaped the modern English language. Uh, words. Just type words into Google. Yeah. No, bandit. Elbow. That's since, like hit somebody with your elbow. Like I elbow you. I wonder how many of them didn't age well. Dauntless. Critic. Green-eyed. Lackluster. Lonely. Uh, critic. I think I would say critic. Critic. Uh, bandit. Uh huh. All of these he invented. Like he straight up just invented these words. I don't know how. Which has kind of a paradox of, is that the work of genius or the work of someone who does not have a grasp on the language of his time? It has to be There's a bit of a paradox to that, I feel like. I I just watched, like, after watching As You Like It, I watched a whole documentary about Shakespeare. 
and how um, his his um, his plays had to appeal to both like legit the most educated people in England, mm-hmm. which included like uh, Queen Victoria, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think Queen Elizabeth, and it had to also appeal to the literal like illiterate masses. Uh huh. And so you'd have like really like um fun verses like some really clever like wordplay and like um just the way things were said were so clever and tight that mm-hmm. you were like oh that was amazing that he like was able to like have like um a do if you ever taken a poetry course yeah well not no but i've taken english courses where we we focused on poetry i took a, a poetry course which basically just doubled as a, sh- a shakespeare class mm-hmm. if i'm being honest um and he does such clever things, like grammatical things that you wouldn't have noticed unless you saw them written out before you. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, there's like a poop joke, like <laughs> four words later. So there's this like magic to Shakespeare. He's actually really fun to read, but Shakespeare was not meant to be read. I don't think of Shakespeare as literature. I think of Shakespeare as um, theater. Yeah, because if someone's a bad actor, uh, you're not going to want to hear them read it. You remember when you used to popcorn read Shakespeare? Yeah. And you used to have some kid go like, like, thou doth do. I kind of. Deceased me. Not to, not to suck my own dick here. I think I was pretty good at it. I, no, you probably weren't. Because, like, <laughs> you have to act these words out. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I always thought I was really good at it. But, um. I, I'm sure you could read the words. I'm not sure if you could, like, convince the audience to think that you were these people. Especially considering somebody else would just read that second half of the sentence you were reading. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say... George, I don't think you understand you why you're on this show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you have to experience his words through play. Yeah. You have to see this. Because, like, do you ever, like, read a line and, like, nobody's, like, even acknowledging it? And the teacher goes, like, huh? Huh? And people are like, what? And the teacher's like, that was a joke. You know? Uh-huh. Doth my eyes beseech me? Meaning, like, oh, you're ugly? And then the per- people are like, I guess that's a joke. But if you see it acted out, you laugh. Uh-huh. Like, you'll be like, oh, that was funny. He's, he said he was ugly. Like, it's... That's how you're supposed to experience it. Now you're teaching... Like, I don't know why they fucking make people uh, read Shakespeare. That's so horrible. It's like making people in a computer class read computer code <laughs> on, like, a piece of paper. That's I good. think it's equivalent. That's a good uh, way of putting it. Okay. Since we're talking about poems, um, what's your favorite poem? Probably, um... Uh, can I compare thee to a summer's day? I'm not sure what the exact name of it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Shakespeare one. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really tricky because it's about... Uh, you think it's about him flirting with a girl. Uh-huh. And then you find out it's about the futility of life and how the prettiest things will die and rot. And the only like proof that those like pretty things existed at some point is that a writer wrote it down. So it's kind of him tricking himself off really <laughs> if you think about it it's like yeah you're pretty but I wrote down that you're pretty so who's really pretty kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, I was gonna mine is um, I think you already know this is Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas yeah that movie that's not the poem I mean it's really uh, really fucking hype if I'm being yeah it is I, I I think about it a lot too uh, Most I mostly love it because of Interstellar but yeah, I just it's, also it's just love really it the, the whole idea of it it's just oh that you should like continue fighting against no just the image well you know personally for me because uh, my father passed when I was little the imagery of the the the, the whole poem is a son begging his father not to die it's like powerful 
I'm not sure if it's about begging him, but more of like, don't die, like, uh, just giving up, you know? I think the whole poem is about him, like, you're gonna die, but well, like, it's, don't... I, I don't always, just... I see it as um, a father on his deathbed, and it's like, moments away from happening, and the son is trying to rationalize um, his father defeating death, even though he can't. Physically, yeah, you can't. He's trying to be like, well, this guy would. Uh, wild men, the last wave by, crying how bright. Like they, they don't die. Um, wise men at their end, who know that dark is right, they don't die. Or however it goes, I, I mix up the words a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's powerful. I think it's really. It is powerful. very powerful. It's it, like I, regardless of what it really is about, I, I think it's one of the most powerful poems. Oh, you know what? Oh, that's a really good poem. Um. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I haven't read that one. Uh, you've never like Oh, Captain, my Captain. It's it's um I don't know who the fuck it's by, but uh, it's about Abraham Lincoln dying right before the end of the civil, right after the Civil War, mm-hmm. where like he the the captain was able to bring these people, to, like the Union, through the Civil War, and then it left him so drained. It, he didn't die of like exhaustion. He died. Getting he died of head. head exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's more of like he he got us through what we had to get us through, and then he died. Yeah. Like you could use men up, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that can it it I don't really have any strong feelings about Lincoln because he I wasn't alive during Lincoln. Really. Um, I mean talk I talk about I, that I, totally, <laughs> totally be, one of the best presidents out there, and what he did uh-huh. was unequivocally good, even if his motivations might have been flawed, which is like some history that's coming out. Um. But I think a more recent example of Oh Captain, My Captain was uh, FDR, uh-huh. who also not a great guy. person. Yeah. yeah, but he got us through the depression. He popularized socialism in the United States, and he won us World War II. That's a long list of accomplishments for a single president. Mm-hmm. And then. He died like a few, like a month before the war ended. Mm-hmm. How nuts is that? Yeah. And then from then on, we just had shitty pre- I don't think we had no, no, a good president. Jimmy Carter. Like, Jimmy Carter was a neutral president. I think Jimmy Carter is like one of the best. I think he was a good. A gr- I think he was the greatest man to ever hold office. Yeah. I think he's, he was just one of like he was just kind of like a okay president. Yeah, but I also don't think it was his fault. I think. I was. don't think it was his fault. I think there was I some think- sabotage. Yeah, there definitely was. I I think, but he he is definitely the best man to ever hold office. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only president that's like alive. That's a good person. That is not a war criminal. Yeah, man, that like wouldn't get hung at like the a war tribunal. <laughs> He'd just be like talking about peanuts and stuff. Oh uh, man, poor Jimmy gave up his peanut farm. Um, yeah. Let's move on from this topic because I have one other thing before we get to the article. Uh, um. I wrote this down, and now I don't have it in my notes, but I do remember it distinctly because I wanted to talk to you about it. And that was, uh, God, who was I watching? I was watching something that brought this up. Oh, God. Um, Well, I'll just... I'm not going to be able to remember it. I'm just not going to be able to remember it. Okay, remember it was editing. You could just, like... Um, The question is... uh, to, okay, so dystopian books, right? Dystopian novels. Um, held in very high regard. Do you think that 
what is considered dystopian ages poorly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The re- what really brings it up, there was a specific example of something I was thinking of that I can't remember now, but a good example of it, I think, is, and I can't remember if this is Brave New World or 451 or whichever, but there's a dystopian novel where there's this concept of a wall with people, like a, a family in the wall, and they're not real. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like a wall where you see a family that's not real and you, you're invested in their problems and their everyday struggles and whatnot. That's just TV. I actually don't remember what you're talking about. I, I wish don't. I could remember if it was Brave New World or Fahrenheit 451. I think it was 451. But um, I think a lot of uh, what we consider dystopian in these books ends up not being that... Oh, I... I definitely remember what it was from, though. Uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Do you know the show? Yeah. He was talking about, I think it was Adam Ruins Everything, where they were talking about uh, how famous philosophers at the time that the written word was being created, that, like, in ancient Greece, when they were starting to write things down, there were uh, philosophers who thought that reading was dystopian in the sense that it would ruin the, it would ruin memorization. Because yeah, you're supposed to memorize things. Yeah. And that got me thinking about dystopian novels and that what they think is so bad does not always age well. There's a Socrates... You got... Some, sorry, you got youth. something um, beeping. Might be my fire... Uh, fire alarm. Not fire alarm. But <laughs> like a, yeah, when I play video games, people complain about it too. Alright, don't worry about it. In the okay. Um, Socrates complained about uh, the youth of that day. Uh-huh. In the Odyssey, uh, it like it, it's written by like an omniscient third perspective mm-hmm. that uh, fathers are always better than their sons, never the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been like complaining about the future forever. Uh, I think we're never gonna build a shitty, like truly shitty, shitty like society for everybody because we we're the ones that have to live in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in eighties, the fear was capitalism and and like crime mm-hmm. and drugs, and we had all these movies about how like capitalism, like even if it's subconscious, I don't think these people were Marxists or anything, but like uh, Blade Runner, for example, mm-hmm. is this. You don't have to set it in that type of city, but they did because like we were very closely becoming that, and now the current dystopia is kind of like. Um, like a what's it called double speak mm-hmm. type of like um don't believe what the the lies that your eyes and ears tell you type of thing mm-hmm. like we've never really had a, a like we've had shitty presidents and we've had shitty like governments but they've always like it was pretty everybody knew they were being shitty uh-huh. now it's kind of like if you tell somebody like the government's doing this thing they will straight up say no they're not and there's video evidence of it, and there's like eyewitness testimony of it, and it's written down. And even sometimes the people who did it say they did it, but like people are just kind of like saying, no, they didn't. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify what I was talking about earlier, I'm getting this description from enotes.com. It says uh-huh. In Fahrenheit 451, the parlor walls are a form of entertainment that most people have inside their homes. Specifically, they are television screens which cover the surface of an entire wall. 
And we know from part one of Fahrenheit 451 that Mildred and Montag have three parlor walls and start in their living room. So it's just TV. Yeah. That's not... I don't think that's as horrifying as maybe um, they th- Ray Bradbury thought it was. Yeah, because he's, he's probably some fucking... Wasn't he also a TV, TV writer? Nobody watches TV anymore. I don't... Probably. <laughs> no, Nobody fucking watches TV anymore. They just watch... It turns out it wasn't the television. It turns out we weren't just like staring at commercials because it was fun. Mm-hmm. Just that like we just wanted to watch our shows and the only way we could watch them is on this piece of shit. And, and is fun. being invested in stories that aren't real that much of a dystopian crime? Yeah, like... I, I get what he's saying. It's kind of like, oh, it's this isn't the theater. This isn't literature. Yeah. I, I, I had a friend who was like that. Who was like, um... You real, I think we all have that friend who was like listens to the Beatles and he says, "Oh, I listen to real music." Uh-huh. And then like he reads like books he he barely comprehends the context to because he's only ever read the books that like come up when you Google hundred best books of the world. Mm-hmm. And he reads them and goes like, "Oh, I'm I don't watch television. I read." Yeah. We all have that redditor friend. And his name and is then, George. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and. I I, maybe, I really hope I'm not that. No. If I'm that pretentious, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end it all, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think Ray. Ray, Ray don't Bradbury. do this on the show. I can't. I can't. I don't know how to. Walk. <laughs> Ray Bradbury is that friend, and he wrote a book about book. I get what he's saying though. Like this came after the Nazis, where like who, mm-hmm. who burnt like Jewish literature. Yeah, that part obviously aged well. That you shouldn't burn books. Yeah, obviously you shouldn't burn books. But I think just inserting that metaphor was like. We're all watching TV now. Nobody's connecting with it. It's such a boomer fucking message. Yeah. The other one that I think about a lot is uh, Brave New World, the pills they take to make them I feel get better. That more. I, I don't know where the fuck Brave New World came from, though. I, I, like, as a larger metaphor, I get it's about, like, societies ignoring sad truths in favor of, like, um, just ignorant happiness. Uh-huh. But there's no, like, that pill isn't real. Like, I don't, I don't really get and if it were, which it kind of is, it's it's an antidepressant. Shit, I, antidepressants cause suicides more than, often than not. They do? It's because uh, antidepressants give you motivation. Oh. And if you were going to – you wanted to kill yourself and so suddenly now you're more motivated, you're going to okay. kill yourself. Okay, so the realistic effect of, of an antidepressant aside, uh, the concept of I'm sad chemically, this pill can change that. Is that horrible? I, I guess it's um one of those thought experiments. Like, if nobody is wronged and only happiness is a result, is it really immoral? You know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like if, if you sell uh, somebody rich a fake painting, but they never find out. They're just happy that it's – they're just happy that mm-hmm. they got a, a really nice painting and you get the money. Both of you are happy forever. Is that a crime? Mm-hmm. You know? Um I, I personally would always rather know the harsh truth than be, like, coddled in a lie. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not going to lie. If there was a pill that made my problems go away, I don't know if I'd not take the pill. I guess that's what he's warning against. Don't, don't take happiness pills. But, again, not a real pill. Uh, I get the message about government control and societies turning ignorant, like, uh, happily ignorant. Mm-hmm. But not a real pill. Robots are going to be real. I get mm-hmm. that. I get, like, all the robot dystopia ones and, like, the authoritarian government ones. But 
I, it's not a real pill. I don't know why they had to make us read that in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I wrong for saying that, uh, for arguing that um, something about the core concept of most dystopian novels is kind of conservative? Uh, th- actually, they are really conservative, funnily enough. Um, the idea form? that the future is unknown and it's horrifying? Yeah, Animal Farm is a really good example of basically like um, like uh, Nazi propaganda kind of sinking its way into the public education system. Mm-hmm. Because it's really anti-communist and it's really um, even anti-social governments. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there was a revolution, all the pigs became like the leaders and then the pigs just started becoming like authoritarian mm-hmm. communists. And then like they just started... Um, fucking massacring and like being like total dickish pigs funnily enough ray like not ray bradbury the the author of animal farm Mm -hmm. fought in spain against fascists but he hated communists more (laughs) so i don't know what i don't know where the fuck this i don't know what this dude was doing in spain honestly i don't know like um who who he like what he held sacred but uh that it was really odd to me that like there was kind of like like washing your hands of like um, yeah, at least we're not communists, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It, it felt very uh, like right to me, very yeah. authoritarian right to I, me. I just also think the, uh, the 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 inherent idea that progress in any form, whether it be technology or anything, is the enemy. Yeah, that's always a, a really central theme. It's also, funnily enough, a central theme in Spider-Man. Is it all? All the bad guys in Spider-Man are scientists whose experiments oh, went horribly wrong. Yeah, I guess. But I guess science fiction as a whole is anti-progress. I think uh, I like to think science fiction is more of a warning of like how it could about, go wrong. Yeah, we could like science doesn't really care one way or the other if what we do is moral or even like long-term effects. It just is. Uh huh. It's up to us to like incorporate moralistic values into like stem cell research. There's CRISPR. That's a big thing right now. Have you heard of that? Um, yeah. That's uh, the one that's, that you can like modify genetics and you can like you get can sets at home it and stuff. Surgically, Ugh. it's cheap. You could do it. It's the island of Doctor Moreau type shit. Man, I can't fucking wait till that's like. First of all, cancer is done. Most diseases are, that have DNA or RNA are done. Um, you could like. Grow a second penis. Uh, you you your heard it here first, by the, oh no, that's even more, you heard that here first too. You can grow yeah. a second penis. You can cure cancer. These are all guarantees. It's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> to you. Every man, an extra penis. Every woman, no cancer. T- no, just cancer. take it or leave it. <laughs> take it or leave it. You get one or the other. Guys, um, you still get cancer, uh, but you get a second penis. But at the same time, we could use CRISPR to like make everybody Aryan in theory, like. What if what like what if uh something a trait that's na- like um indigenous is considered unwanted and removed from mm-hmm. the gene pool? Like for example, uh a lot of Latinos wish they had like colorful eyes. Mm-hmm. And then let's say that you wanted like blue eyes and you go to a CRISPR thing and you get blue eyes or your kids get blue eyes the next generation. I'm not sure how like I I'm I'm not sure to the extent of the technology. Um and you effectively just bred out native dark eyes out of the population, at least your children. If this is done in mass, suddenly, like, uh, 
where does it end with that? Maybe mm-hmm. dark skin's considered ugly. A lot of uh, people want to be light skinned. Even if it's not something that like people use to control people, for ex- for example, like it, like the government mandating that a certain skin color not exist. Uh, that, the the idea yeah. that it becomes a choice changes the entire um, context of race. What what if you're the kid you're about to have, like you're, you've already conceived, is um, has a disease? Uh huh. Do you fix it? Do you just kind of like try again with a CRISPR baby? Uh, I don't think the government's gonna go as far immediately off the bat. By just saying this skin color is illegal, <laughs> you must change by this date. I think it'll start more suddenly in a more anxiety and um, foreboding way. There's I watched a documentary about it where um, uh, I'm not sure how to say it. Like I don't like dwarf syndrome people. I you honestly know don't know. How I, th- I don't know how to say it either. I think it's just uh, dwarves. Yeah, like a uh, a dwarf. Uh, I apologize if that's not how you... I straight up don't think it's dwarf, dude. I don't think you're supposed to call some Lord of the Rings shit. Correct. (laughs) To say dwarf. We're going to find out right now. But it is called dwarf syndrome. Um, The the mother of those kids says... I I guess little person? Yeah, I think it's little person. I don't suffer from dwarfism. I suffer from how society treats me because I have dwarfism. Mm-hmm. She wants to have a whole like family of dwarf babies and dwarf grandchildren, dwarf like uncles and aunts, and uh-huh. she's saying like, why is my disease suddenly? Why is my like existence suddenly a disease? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm diseased. I'm just short. Mm-hmm. And really, she's she's just short. It's not like it, it's not like you actually use your physical body for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like most work now is done from computers and such. And um, they, they're they're still just normal ass people. Like there's, of course they are normal ass people. Um, she's saying like, why am I considered a, a pestilence now? To be bred out of the gene pool. And then it goes further than that. Like um, some deaf people are actually really like mean about being deaf. They what? think that like, I know that sounds silly. Um, they're in in the like the deaf culture at least the toxic aspects of it uh-huh. to get a hearing aid is to be like a coward like you're giving <laughs> up on it like you you don't you're not truly toxic yourself. deafness i i know this is some wild shit yeah crispr would fix deafness and they again don't consider themselves afflicted people they're just different which is what they are they're just different people um where do you draw the line what uh, do you? What diseases do you get rid of? What so afflictions? I understand what, what this specific thing um, ignores any kind of um, moral implication it would have. So just pretending that there is no moral implication here, I like the idea that we create a second sentient race of primates that can be our friend. You know what I mean? You just like what? a buddy race. We don't need like another. We just need to make dogs a little smarter. I think. I don't know. I like the idea of Neanderthals coming back, and it's like, hey, guys, how you doing? Sorry about that. Sentient buddies? You, you know they're smarter than us, too. <laughs> they, they were smarter than us. All to, like We recently discovered that like most of the tools we keep discovering mm-hmm. were their tools. Uh, I can't remember what the book is, so I can't credit it, but there is a book. Maybe it's called Sapiens? I don't know. But the idea is they said the, what the, the Neanderthals' disadvantage is that they, they lack the ability to gossip. Which basically means that um, 
we have the ability to like if obama was president someone could tell us that and we could never meet obama and be like okay you told neanderthal obama is president he'd be like what the fuck does that even mean i can't perceive that i don't know who that is i've never seen him with my eyes they can't really they can't create abstract thought yeah that's really interesting so that that that's called um object permanence i think yeah it's it's like that i don't think it's exactly that but it's basically the idea that they can't um they can't conceive of the grand scheme of things in any situation it's it's only what's there that's really interesting that's really really interesting we hunted those like poor guys to extinction uh-huh. uh we didn't even, i don't think we ate them i think we just killed them for fun we interbreded really... too and we interbred with them yeah people of European descent have a ton of um, Neanderthal in them. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, um, despite what a lot of racist people say, uh, people from Africa tend to be pure humans, as in like more genetically more human. homo sapien. Yeah, more homo sapien. After all, they are the, like the mother race. Mm-hmm. You know, like Africa is like the cradle of civilization. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we're all humans originated from. Isn't that crazy? By the way, we didn't what? know that for a long time. What, that Africa was the cradle of civilization? Not the cradle, but, like, I think we knew that, like, civilizations arose from there for a long time, but we straight up evolved there. Yeah. We forget we're animals and that we evolved in places. Like, we were just running around in Africa. Uh-huh. Chasing down antelope. Yeah. That's um, a fun concept to me. We're, let's move on here um, to our last bit, which is our interesting weird article i think this is a good time to do it i don't know any other way to transition to it than this uncomfortable way i'm doing it right now here we go all right this one comes to us from history.com um i'm gonna read the headline george and then i'm just gonna let you have absorb it okay all right here goes big bird nearly rode on the disastrous challenger mission i um I, I actually read that one before. God damn it! Um, would they have, would they have ended the character on Sesame Street? That is what I okay. Let's talk. Let's let's read through this article a little bit just to get people on board uh, or get people to understand. We're talking about this article again. Comes from us in history dot com. Um, I, this is a quote from the uh, actor who plays Big Bird, the puppeteer. I once got a letter from NASA asking if I would be willing to join a mission to orbit the Earth as Big Bird. To encourage kids to get interested in space. Um, Alright, if you guys are, like, too young or just don't know what the Challenger mission was... I say too young as if I was alive during the Challenger mission. I wasn't. But if you just don't know what the Challenger mission was, it was a a spaceship that blew up before it uh, left the atmosphere. Yeah. And it was a national disaster. And can you fucking imagine if Big Bird blew up on the Challenger? Dude, okay. The implications of, like... Yeah finding feathers all across like texas oh like they found the body parts the would would sesame street end the run of big bird here's here's having lost the the actor and the the bird costume (laughs) here's the conundrum that i keep thinking about i was like i'm trying to think about like the damage control sesame street does after big bird dies on the challenger so Let's talk about ways you could you could uh, get around this, right? The first way is you just go, yeah, kids, Big Bird fucking died. <laughs> that, you can't do that. 
right? No. What can it's you depressing. do though? Here's another. Here's another thing. If you say no, guys, uh, turns out Big Bird missed the flight. He's fine. Uh, what a slap in the face to everyone that died on the fucking Challenger mission. <laughs> Would Big Bird suffer from like survivorship PTSD now? Yeah. Like... Would Big Bird talk about it? Would he be like, "Well, guess I'm lucky," and then just kind of like keep <laughs> fucking? Clucking. Would he give like a like a press conference? I don't understand. Like, how He'd do be you visibly shaken in the next episode? Do you just like have a, like a, a, a like a thing on the news? Where it's like, "Hey, parents, can we just collectively agree that we don't tell the kids about the Challenger mission?" They found out about it. Or what if they were watching? I think they just got that was like the eighties. Was it in the eighties? I don't know. Yeah, 80s, but that was like 86. their generation's like nine eleven. Yeah. Like, they just got sent home. They were like, oh, we don't know what to do. Because this was televised, by the way, uh-huh. in school. Like, nobody knew this shit was going to blow up. This was televised in a lot of classrooms. Uh-huh. And a lot of those kids just saw the explosion happen. And then the teacher turned off the TV and said, okay, go home. Like, that's it. Like, you have your parents explain the concept of death to you. Like, usually death is explained with, a, like, a goldfish, like, going heads up. And that's it. But... It isn't usually explained with um, fucking explosions. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing, like, I'm sure there are a lot of people in a lot of positions at NASA, who, um, I'm not not trying to point fingers, but like, that day had to defend themselves a little, uh, had to fight against the idea of incompetence, right? Because a fucking spaceship blew up. It, it was incompetence, by the yeah. way. Yeah. That was yeah. But who would have a harder job? defending themselves and the guy that said let's put big bird on the fucking ship they, yeah that dude just <laughs> immediately i think i'd quit i'd just be like you know what it's coming i'm gonna still walk out here with something that, oh my god that guy that, that must be like you know those people who tell stories about 9-11 who are like i was almost on the plane yeah, that must like, be his almost on the plane story like i almost put big bird on the challenger dude that, that must have been big birds <laughs> oh my like, god like, like you know seth mcfarlane was supposed to be on the plane uh-huh he like, mentions he that in family guy yeah. He, he missed his flight. That that would have been a, like a that that would have been equivalent. That is the current equivalent, actually. Big Big Bird didn't make it on the Challenger mission. It sounds so. It is both Big Bird's equivalent and also the sense. guy that almost put Big Bird. Yeah, like <laughs> I almost put Big Bird up there. That would have ended Big. Like, no, no, there, there would have been no way that Big Bird as a character showed up next week. They would have done a eulogy episode. Uh, do they do does this force them to admit like okay guys full disclosure that's a dude in a suit yeah (laughs) how are they gonna like film next week you know (laughs) fucking actor's dead he lost an expensive costume those things are not cheap um they they couldn't scrounge it up in a week you know Uh uh-huh uh they'd just be done yeah big bird would have to have died yeah oh my god that's like um yeah, people always ask moral dilemmas of like um Do well, we let Big Bird die? No, like things like people like people ask these like philosophical questions like the thing with the train, like do you hit do you do oh. you go one way or the other? You know what I'm talking about? Where like the people are on the yeah, track. I really had to learn that stuff because yeah. like the, the degree I'm going for. Yeah, but the, it raises the other one, like if Big Bird publicly dies, what the fuck do you do? <laughs> what do you tell the kid for first a lot of kids learn about death, uh, all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Um do you suppress all media about Big Bird's Big Birth Big Bird's death? Uh-huh. Uh I'd say so. I'd say you you'd uh 
you'd pull an old Soviet Union and just deny and cover up and execute anybody that says otherwise. Then how do you honor the guy that played Big Bird? You, you don't. He never died. You just get a body double, put him in the fucking chicken suit, and you just keep <laughs> clucking like nothing happened, dude. They got, they have, they have television sets to sell. They can't just like. How do you stop. explain the lapse in logic? That there, there is, just don't, just don't. Just don't. Just don't. There is no lapse in logic. Therefore, you don't have to explain it. You just get another dude, you put him in the costume. You know, they're like, yeah, you know what? It's it's sad that he's not going to be remembered after his death, but that's what he signed up for when he became Big Bird. That's the price. <laughs> that's the of price. Space he's... flight. Yeah. yeah, that's the price. You <laughs> that... know, when you sign up to Sesame Street. That you could end up and <laughs> blow it apart in the fucking Everyone atmosphere. who comes in Sesame Street leaves in a body bag. He knew that. He knew that. He knew what he... <laughs> they've changed... What is that garbage? Uh, Oscar? Sesame Street character? Yeah, they've changed Oscar. Like, I like to think that you didn't mean the literal garbage. You just meant he was, like, poorly written. What's oh, that? Sure. Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> garbage character. He, they, he's homeless. Yeah. He, the actor has to live in that trash can. Stay and roll. And well, they die of frostbite. Not when the camera stops rolling. No, when the camera stops rolling. He has to stay in the trash can. Is this something you believe in? I'm, I'm, is this a bit? I don't yeah, understand. this is something I believe in, <laughs> that he stays in the trash can. They've lost actors, but they're already in the trash can. What? Where are you, you going with where this? where I'm going with this? I don't. You, you said so yourself, that you lose characters. You lose men when you make Sesame Street. Oh, oh, so you're saying... Okay, so you're saying that, like... Which character would have the highest mortality rate? Would be Oscar the Grouch. And he'd be Oscar the Grouch, because he's literally homeless. Okay, I really thought for a minute that you were just, you were just like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest. I think the Oscar the Grouch guy <laughs> stays in the trash can. I, do, I, I didn't do realize we were still in the, the bit. That's like the Santa is real adult thing. <laughs> I, had, I had a therapist when I was little. And my mom uh-huh. stopped taking me too, because one time he was telling me about uh, Santa being real, and she was like, "Hey, thanks for doing that." He's like, "Doing what? Santa's real." My God. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe he maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe he's living a double life as Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Like in all those Santa Claus movies, you never really like Santa's real in the movies, right? Uh huh. But the adults don't believe he's real, and there's this whole logic where like, then where the fuck do the presents come from? You know. There's presents under the tree that you didn't buy. Where, where did those presents come from? That's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, those adults are wrong in that universe. Maybe we live in that universe. Maybe we live in a really long like Christmas movie, and Santa is real, and we're all the fools for believing he isn't. Do you get where I'm going with this? A little bit. Okay, you ever watch a movie where, like, something ridiculous happens and a character tries to explain it to another character? You mean, like, at the end of Miracle on 34th Street where they find it? It doesn't matter. It's anything, any movie. And then, like, uh, the other character obviously doesn't believe them. Uh Uh-huh. But you're like, that's so frustrating. If somebody walked up to me and told me that, I'd, like, you know, try to believe them. Because the situation would be fixed if the other character believed them. Mm -hmm. That's what's currently going... That's what just happened to your mother. Like, some dude knew Santa was real, told your mom, and your mom waved it away. What about this? This just gave me an idea. What if a universe where Santa is real and gets to the point where he's like, you know, if no one believes in me and just buys the presents, I can, I don't have to do it. Yeah. Like, it becomes it. a self-fulfilling prophecy where he's like, I'll, 
<laughs> the symbol matters more than the man. <laughs> I, I like to think of the the, the claws. What's it called the Santa, Santa claws? claws? Yeah. Movies, but like, well, it's called Were they, claws. Yeah, like a, like a clause in a contract. I, yeah. You don't have to. Um, I think people got it. <laughs> the, the lore in that is that if you don't believe in Santa, he dies. Or if you just freak him out while he's on the roof, right? Isn't that how it? He also he's a mortal being. Yeah. Um. Maybe he's just fucking dead up there, you know? Like he's just his bones are dust. The house, like the the house is in shambles. The elves have devolved into like a cannibalistic tribe, because nobody believed in Santa and he died. What if what if like. The, the fall of Santa was the rise of kids asking for like brand name toys. It's like I can't build a Nerf gun. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm getting fucking sued. Like you're you're asking the impossible. He doesn't have the oil to produce the plastic to produce these guns. He doesn't have the the right. He can't compete with with China's infrastructure and in like manufacturing. He he's boned. Oh my god, movie idea: a, a world where uh, toy companies. Try to engineer their own Santa to compete with Santa. That, that that gives kids their products. I feel like that's a robot Santa, uh, Santa Claus movie, the second one. Yeah, but the idea is that it's like a it's like the Hasbro Santa that gives you Hasbro presents. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought you were gonna go with the uh, the elves revolt, kill Santa, and season means of production. Nah, I like the idea of uh. Ha- of 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 like corporations each making their own Santa to give their products to promote during Christmas. You know what? We gotta wrap up. We're going on and on and on here. Uh, no, we have to edit some stuff out, so it's not gonna be that long. But um, maybe yeah. Santa bit. Yeah, big. Maybe, maybe bir- nah, we don't have to cut that. The, you you like the big bird stuff? Yeah, the oh the big bird stuff is fucking staying. Okay. Yeah, and again, uh, let me remind you guys uh, if you have an article that you want to submit to us. Uh, either send it via at KidMichaelArt on Instagram or at It'sKidMichael on Twitter. Uh, anyway, thank you for watching. This has been It's the Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael. My co-host has been George Pacheco. Um, I just gave you all the, the social media information. And our uh, theme song was written and performed by Matthew Rosenthal. And this episode has been edited by Aristides Panagas. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.